fake, fake, fakety fake. Hi, I'm Jody. I'm Caitlin. And welcome to Imperial News, where I spend my whole week listening to the far-right podcast Rebel News, and then talk about quasi-journalists being arrested with my friend Caitlin. Great. How are you, Caitlin? Doing okay. Um, yes, back to school time. Is it back? To, how how are the uh, university students? It's all online uh, now, right? Yeah, everything's online. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't really know because they don't have their webcams on, and they don't have <laughs> their mics on. So for all I know, I am teaching to nothingness, just putting my ideas out there into the void. Um, I'm plant this thought in your head now. What if, like, someone's listening to your lecture completely naked? <laughs> uh, yeah. Or, I mean, they I could don't... even do it if they're in the washroom. <laughs> you don't know now. Yeah. Well, I don't need to know. Um, <laughs> yeah, and it's great because. Uh, Five five Western students have already caught in COVID. Yeah. What did they say? We have an official outbreak right now? Yeah. Well, so there's five of them, but then there's like a lot of other people who still need to be tested and they have to be quarantined as well until they get tested. Well, because they said in the, the releases, the Middlesex London Health Unit released that they both went to, or these five people went to house parties. They went to bars downtown like, yeah. so they just yeah. spread their COVID all over the city. So yeah, so so many people have to get tested, and we'll see. Yeah, I, I do want to say though, because I think what's happening right now is a lot of people are shaming the students, and like I even got a bit of that because like my neighbors threw a house party, and you just had it was a house of like twenty to forty people, none of them wearing masks, all drinking, and like basically making out with each other, like all face to face talking. So it's like perfect spreader event for for a virus but the other thing is like it's it's bad it's not like their fault like part of me is just like you're taking 18 year olds putting them in a context where they're away from their parents for the first time where they're going to be with friends and alcohol they're going to make poor choices like (laughs) it's necessarily going to happen and what should have happened was that the the universities and the uh cities and governments should have prepared for this in a way to prevent this from happening yeah no that's true and so it is what it is uh but even even the universities they kept a week orientation week traditions going like i was driving along western and it's like you you see them outside all dress painted because they do like different colors depending on the floor i think you're on residence yeah yeah, and they're all like cheering people as they're coming into the residencies, and I'm kind of like, "Why are you fucking doing this? Like, why is this happening?" We heard their big firework display over the weekend. Oh yeah, well, it's just just like ludicrous. Like, it's just like, no, all of this should be canceled. Like, why are people even staying in dorms where you know they're going to party and stuff? Just say, sorry, we can't do it this year. And if people are going to make the argument like, oh, where is my child going to live? It costs a lot cheaper to rent a room in London than it does to fucking dorms. And if your kids' classes are all online, why are they in a dorm? Like, I don't understand that logic. Yeah. Well, we had what that frat house that was like, we're going to throw a party anyways because it's it's our childhood. And we, we only get to party once. and <laughs> They're taking it away from us. Oh, no. And it's like, I don't know. Maybe we don't want to kill our grandparents. 
because of your stupid decisions. But yeah, you know, my my kid was supposed to start school on Monday, but that got pushed back till Wednesday. And even then, talking to the teacher today, we're not even sure what the he's in kindergarten. I mean, like, what are they going to do? Sit him in front of a computer from like nine till three in kindergarten? It's it's going to be ridiculous. But we're going to find out. <laughs> I'll have more to report next week because it it starts on Wednesday, but that's that's my week. That's what it's looking out to be. So, okay. <laughs> and now that we've like talked about COVID and and school and how crazy our city is, we're just gonna go into the Imperial Roundup. Hello, my rebels. Hello, my rebels. I'm a good boy. I'm a weirdo. This is what happened on the Rebel from September 7th to September 11th, the most tragic day in the universe that we always have to be reminded of. Forever. Forever. Ezra is upset over a WestJet flight that was canceled. Details about the event are murky, but involve mask regulations for children and the extent to which the parents were appropriately complying with those regulations. WestJet also stated that the cancellation was not due to the lack of compliance with mask regulations, but the safety of the crew as passengers were getting increasingly angry with the situation. Uh, Whether they were angry at the staff for trying to force uh, these parents for putting a mask on their children, or whether they were mad at the parents because they weren't complying with regulation. This is just another story that fits into Ezra's COVID restrictions or crushing our civil rights narrative. But also, Ezra is still upset that the CEO of WestJet criticized the Wexit movement in Alberta. So this was kind of a two or kill two birds with one stone kind of event for him. Ezra uses the WestJet story to laminate about customer service. Ezra argues that WestJet enforcing a mask wearing policy is like telling the customer they are wrong, and we should return to a time when the customer is always right. Ezra then compares WestJet's mask policy to signs in government-run hospitals telling patients that aggressive behavior will not be tolerated. Ezra goes on to say that hospital staff and privatized hospitals are far happier and don't need to tell people not to be violent. A simple Google search will find plenty of American privatized hospitals also have these signs, although it should be obvious that regardless of how a hospital is funded, they are places of increased stress with the possibility of violence. And honestly, this just sounds like Ezra really needs to work in some sort of customer service. Yeah. <laughs> but the customer is always right. Yeah, That's- yeah. <laughs> them a week <laughs> but the customer is not always right i mean the masks are there to like provide safety so it's like it would be like saying there's a no punching our employees rule at a and w and then <laughs> the customer comes in and punches the employee in the face and goes the customer is always right yes yeah. <laughs> west jet no try woke jet Ezra brings up a router's uh, tweet that stated, Wear a mask while having sex, Canada's top doctor suggests. This tweet was shared by people all over the political spectrum to ridicule Theresa Tam. However, what was missing from the router's headline was that you should wear a mask with a new sexual partner who you have just met and not people you have isolated and monitored yourself with for several weeks. In other words, you probably shouldn't be hooking up 
during a pandemic, but if you're going to do it, your best bet is to wear a mask during intercourse to protect yourself from COVID. Ezra takes this rather sane and level-headed uh, medical advice to suggest that Tam is some sort of creepy mask fetishist. Wear them when you're having sex? Yeah, don't foist your bizarre fetish on me, you junk science quack perv. Sorry, that's not science. That's not public policy. That's just someone who enjoys the sound of their own voice and the fawning coverage of the media that's bought and paid for and wants just to talk sexy or something. Oh my god, yeah. Which, even if true, who cares? Consensual sex with masks could be fun, Ezra. Live a little. Ezra is back to criticizing Heritage Minister Stephen Gilbo, who is currently working on legislation to regulate social media companies when dealing with hate and abusive speech on their platforms. Ezra is mad at the idea of regulating these companies, even though for the past few weeks he was calling Facebook the new public square, saying that these companies should not have the right to block right-wing speech. Ezra goes on to say that if Gibo gets his way, the rebel will be blocked from social media, even though it is something that he already is accusing social media of doing. It also isn't clear how Ezra wants to change the behavior of social media if he's not willing to regulate them. To talk about Stephen Gubo, Ezra has on True North podcaster, homophobe, and Islamophobe Andrew Lawton, who was also recently retweeted by Eric, the leader of our conservative party. Andrew brings up the right-wing conspiracy theory that Gibo wants to license websites, and Ezra obliges by playing the clip of Gibo misspeaking during an interview with Evan Solomon, we covered this back in episode 27, in case you want to learn all about our broadcasting regulations in Canada, and by extension, why Ezra continues to talk out of his ass on this subject. Andrew and Ezra go on to say that regulating social media companies over speech, which is already illegal, is redundant. Since they are already illegal, what they miss and what they are misleading their audiences about is that even though abuse and hate speech is illegal in Canada, social media companies are not adequately dealing with this material on their platforms. The intent of the regulation that is currently being designed is to make companies liable for not removing illegal behavior fast enough or consistently. The only reason Andrew and Ezra care about this is because they are really worried about having their abusive material taken off social media. On September 11th, Ezra dedicates the first half of his show to accusing Muslims of being rapists, murderers, and illegal migrants, who are here only to kill and rape you. He then plays a clip of a speech he gave a few years back at an event hosted by Pamela Geller. Geller, for those who aren't acquainted with her, was prominent in accusing Obama of being a secret Muslim and not really American. This is the same theory that Donald Trump promoted for years, which was called birtherism. She also denies almost every genocide that has been committed against Muslim people, including uh, Kosovo, as well as in Myanmar, all the while promoting the white genocide conspiracy theories. She also downplays the treatment of the Uyghurs in China, which suggests to me that if China was not a big deal right now for Ezra, he would probably side with Geller on this issue. Ezra interviews Fela McAllen. I... Flem. Flem. <laughs> it's not Flem. I know it's not. It's Fela McAllen. Allier. Allier. McLear. McAllier. Well, it's capitalized, so you have to pronounce it individually, the A. McAllier. He is Irish. I don't know. Put on an Irish accent when you say it. 
McAller. I don't know how to do it. McAller. It looks like phlegm, though, when you first see his name. Okay, let's start again. Ezra interviews Fela McAllier, I'm trying to pronounce that, hopefully I pronounced that correctly, a filmmaker who is mostly known for making documentaries in favor of oil and fracking industries, but also for a play he wrote that tried to justify the murder of Michael Brown by police in Ferguson. He is on Ezra's show to crowdfund a movie called Obamagate, starring Dean Cain. Cain is mostly known for playing Superman in the 90s and hosting Ripley's Believe It or Not!, but has since primarily starred in a low-budget, straight-to-video Christian movies. Um, the film Obamagate is supposed to portray how Obama's FBI illegally spied on the Trump campaign, something which there is zero evidence to support. It was really hard not to laugh for <laughs> Obamagate. And that is the week. On Labor Day, Ezra decided to have a clip show where he, he plays multiple clips of journalists. And I, and I want to put journalists in quote here, but since this is an audio medium, it's hard to do that. So journalists, and they're all being arrested. And all of them, except for one of them, were uh, rebel reporters. So he just, I mean, this is like one ironic thing that I wanted to highlight because this is, he he puts this out on Labor Day, obviously, because he's taking a day off. It's a holiday in Canada, so he puts together this clip show. But the whole show is him putting his journalists in, like, compromised positions where they're getting arrested by the police constantly. <laughs> which, which, if anything, is a, a perfectly good reason for why these journalists, quote-unquote journalists, on his team need to be unionized to tell their boss to go fuck themselves. Yeah, but I think they secretly love it. No. <laughs> like they think they're yeah, no, I think they think like, you know, we're doing God's work here. We're going into the field, and we're speaking some truth and we're getting arrested for speaking the truth. You are right. I, I'm just saying that like in like even in my cause like even in my head, I'm like, he shouldn't be doing this to his staff. <laughs> You know, so like there's a part of it which is like, even though you're right that his own staff are just as crazy as he is and are feeling this like martyr complex of going out there and doing this, they really yeah. shouldn't be doing this. <laughs> yeah. So obviously the first arrest that he's going to talk about is David Menzies. What is this? Are you guys kidding me? The Menzoid, who was, I think, arrested just like last week or the week before. And he was detained and then fined in Brampton for basically going on a private property while trying to report on uh, Patrick Brown, who's the mayor of Brampton. And their complaint was that Patrick Brown was using a honky rink that he was keeping open with taxpayer money, but uh, that taxpayers are prevented from using right now because of COVID. So Patrick Brown has had free rink, like free reign to go play on this hockey rink. So this is like, this is the big story. And like, frankly, I think that is a kind of bad thing for Patrick Brown to be doing if he is in fact doing it. But on the other end, it's like, whatever, Patrick Brown is an idiot and so is David Menzies. So I don't care too much about either side of this. Uh, now, David Menzies does go on uh, to complain, and so does Ezra, that he was put in a police car without the AC on in the boiling heat. 
And I agree. Like a dog. Like a dog, yeah. I mean, I agree this is a bad thing. But what what I want to do going forward with these uh, cases that I give you is like, well, just to even to the audience at home is to reflect on the fact of like, Ezra will never talk about the fact that protesters, civilians, just people on the street get treated this way by police all the time. And you never hear an utterance from Ezra about that kind of brutality. And in fact, Ezra right now is standing against the Black Lives Matter protests. And so it's like, and yet here he is highlighting this kind of brutality. And it is really brutal. Like, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say that David Menzies deserves that yeah. treatment. Yeah, you'd think with all the run-ins he's had with the police and just like treating him so poorly that they, would, they wouldn't be so pro-police. <laughs> <laughs> the other thing that I, I want... Uh, even for you to do, Caitlin, is like even think about it, maybe reflect. I'm curious of whether or not you think each arrest is justified or not, or whether or not you think the arrest has to do with reporting, because that's kind of how Ezra wants to frame each one of these arrests is that this is an arrest that was caused due to someone's reporting and it wasn't justified. And so the question I'm going to have for you here, because arguably I would say this is maybe David Menzies reporting. He's trying to report on this weird Patrick Bound story. I'll give him that. But then the, on the other side is like, if he's told to get off this property because of the COVID stuff, should he get off the property? He got fined, but he was also put in this car. Justified not. Are we on David Menzies' side on this one? What's what's happening? No. Yeah. <laughs> I know it's a complicated one. I actually might be on David Menzies' side for this one. Just, I just honestly, if I was thinking, if I was in a cop shoes, I'd be like, oh, it's a mental health case. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Are you kidding me? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like, here's the thing. It's like, there's obviously the flip side of, uh, is that I don't think we should have police. So I'm not no. saying justified in the sense of like, uh, I, I just mean like, Maybe was there was he doing something illegal? Like rather than whether or not the force was justified, was David Menzies actually doing something that we as a society would not want him to do in this instance? I mean, I don't really care about Patrick Brown. Yeah. <laughs> so that's, if you're something that I would want him to do, I don't give a shit to be honest. See, that's why I'm kind of on David Menzies' side on this one, just this one, but. Uh, I'm, I'm guessing this is going to change with our next example. So the next arrest was Tommy Robinson. And Ezra portrays him as innocent, even though he was arrested for breach of the peace and found guilty. And what he did was he filmed a defendant who was involved in a rape case, which and, and the filming of the defendant who was walking into court at the time uh, was not legally allowed. And this was due to you didn't want things to compromise the jury or or the legal proceedings in the public, right? So the uh, the the court put a publication ban that you weren't supposed to reveal this person's name or video their face. And what does Tommy do? He, he runs to the court thing and shows a camera in this guy's face. So, okay. <laughs> and he was found guilty and he spent time in prison. So the question was like, was this one reporting and two... Was it a, a justified legal sanction? <laughs> mm, yeah, I guess it's justified. 
Yeah, I think it's a justified legal sanction. You don't want to like taint the jury pool. They, yeah. like, the reason why the court put it in place, it doesn't seem like it was a bad reason. And the flip yeah. side of it is like, what was Tommy Robinson doing? Was it reporting? I don't think it was like in a very broad sense, it's reporting. But what he was doing was antagonizing. Right. Yeah. Like it didn't serve any like actual purpose. He wasn't uncovering anything, you know. Yeah, no, it's true. But this is supposed to be journalists. And like, remember, Ezra's framing this about like how how honorable Ezra is, because all these are cases that he's gone for legal support with. And like he flew to England. We covered that over and over again of him flying yeah. to England to like help Tommy in this case. So this is this is Ezra trying to say, look at me, I'm saving journalism. I'm saving it. And yeah. uh, David Menzies and Tommy Robinson so far. So the yeah. third example was Laura Loomer. Do you know who Laura Loomer is? No. Oh, that is that is depressing. So she's most I think right now she's most famous for being a congressperson. So well not she's not a congressperson yet. She was elected I think in Florida in a Republican primary. So she's going to be on the ballot come November for a, a congressional seat. The thing is she's likely not going to win it because it's a heavily democratic uh district. But she quite potentially could be a member of Congress come November <laughs> or come January when, when they finally get seated or whatever. And, and Ezra even goes on to brag that a, a, a rebel alumni might actually become an elected person to Congress. Now that I've highlighted that she's this congressional candidate who used to work for rebel, she's also mostly known for uh, handcuffing herself to the... Uh, Twitter building because they blocked her on Twitter. They removed her account on Twitter. And so she like wanted Jack Dorsey to like reinstate her Twitter thing and handcuffed herself to the, <laughs> to one door of Twitter's like uh, building. And so everyone else could get in the other door <laughs> <laughs> and the police just left her like <laughs> locked up because she wasn't really like blocking anyone. My life is ruined. Does anybody understand how ruined my life is? I'm sick of it. I don't want to listen to people tell me that I'm a conspiracy theorist. They don't know what it's like to be me. My life is ruined, Alex. No, I understand. Quite recently after Trump was elected, there was this play in New York that was a reinterpretation of Julius Caesar. So it was Shakespeare. They just played Julius Caesar. But in the scene where, like, they kill Caesar. Well, so I, I should frame it this way. The person playing Caesar looked like Donald Trump. And that was purposefully done to look like this is like the Trump administration. And so, of course, at the end of the play, Julius Caesar is killed by Brutus. Eh, too, Brutus, right? Killed by Brutus. And a lot of conservatives were upset about this because they're like, you're just telling people to assassinate Trump, right? So Laura, yeah. <laughs> Laura Loomer, in the middle of this production right at the scene, right at the execution scene. So she waits till the end of the play, stands up and like starts yelling at them. Freedom. Stop the normalization of political violence against the right. This is unacceptable. You cannot. Get off the stage. All right. Ladies and gentlemen, we're going to pause. We're going to pause security. 
and she gets hauled out of the building. And then as she gets hauled out, Jack Posobiec, who we've talked about on the show as well, who's also an alt-right type asshole, he stands up and he goes, You are all Goebbels! You are all Nazis like Joseph Goebbels! This is Goebbels! You are all Goebbels! You are inciting terrorists! So this is the incident where Ezra gets involved, because at this time, Laura Loomer was an employee of Rebel News. And so... She got arrested because as she got tossed from the building, she refused to get off the property. And that's when the, the police arrested her. So the question is, was she being a reporter in that moment? Was she reporting no. on something? No. What was she doing? She's being an activist. Right? I mean, like, I mean, I don't agree with the cause, but she's being an activist, right? I guess, yeah. Like, I've been watching, like, the Portland protests with Robert Evans, and he even though he might be sympathetic to the anti-fascists, he doesn't get himself involved in the participation of the stuff. He's there as a reporter and he's just covering it as a observer, right? Laura yeah. Loomer is not there as an observer. She clearly got involved and like did a kind of activism, which is fine. But if you're going to say this is like a reporter being arrested, that's not at all what the hell this <laughs> was, right? And the thing is, like, was was it a justified legal sanction? Should she have gotten off the property after disturbing this play? Yeah. Yeah. But note, Ezra is saving journalism. <laughs> so the fourth arrest happened when we were on break. And it was with the newer member at the time of the Rebel News crew named Anna Slats. And we had covered Anna Slats before. She got embroiled in a controversy at her university, I think in the University of New Brunswick, for doing a bunch of transphobic shit as the editor of uh, the student newspaper there, I believe. So she's a transphobe. And since then, she's gone on like speaking tours with other transphobes and has focused on the, the Jessica and Eve stuff and all that fun stuff. Mm -hmm. So she's one of those <laughs> in that group uh, of people. Now, just days after being hired by the rebel, she was arrested in New York during one of the Black Lives Matter uh, protests that were happening there after the killing of George Floyd. And she was swept up by the New York police because she was out past curfew, even though she was covering the protests and journalists were supposed to be exempt. So the question there is, was she reporting? And I guess like I could get your feedback, but also... I'm kind of like, sure. Like, she was there recording. She had views about Black Lives Matter protests that I wouldn't agree with. But it doesn't sound like she was getting involved in any... Like Laura Loomer was in her last example. Okay, yeah. So I'll go, okay, reporting. Yeah. And I also think this is more sympathetic on the other end, which is that because journalists were exempt... I don't think she should have been rounded up by the police for being out past curfew. Yeah. But I don't know what your thoughts are or if you just agree with that. No, I agree with that. So if out of all the cases, I do think even though she sounds like a terrible human being, she is one of the more sympathetic figures that he lists. Now, in the description, though, like it gets a bit weird because Ezra calls her center left, 
which I don't know what that would mean in this context. She sounds pretty fascist light, if you ask me. <laughs> Especially because she has a website that's called Stop Antifa. And she, she was going to this protest to say, like, Black Lives Matter are bad and that police brutality is not a thing. Which then is ironic when you read or even listen to her own depiction of what happened. So when she's in the, the jail cell, she talks about how crowded it is and how how they weren't they weren't given access to to certain things and how they weren't told what was happening to her she was moved to multiple different like buildings and it sounds like really terrible and not only was it like really terrible she she got helped by antifa legal aids the, the same people that she has a website called stop antifa they helped her she then goes on to say that most of those arrested were just bystanders or peaceful protesters and all the violent protesters somehow magically got away. Like, <laughs> I was arrested by NYPD and I was arrested largely for filming them while they were taking down innocent bystanders who were just in the scene of the looting while letting the looters go and run free. The last example which I think is one of the best examples because of how insane it is, is someone named uh, Millie Weaver. Do you know who Millie Weaver is? No. So she is not a rebel employee. Ezra doesn't explain who she is. Other than that, she has released stuff he supports and that she was arrested just after releasing her film called Shadowgate. He stresses after playing the clip of her arrest that she didn't do anything violent the idea that they would go to Millie's home and arrest her in front of the kids on a Friday afternoon so that by the time she's processed, she's in jail all weekend, that was a bunch of prosecutors and police using their discretion to make it as embarrassing and painful as possible. If she were arrested on any other day of the week, she would have been in front of a judge within hours rather than days. And, you know, she's no flight risk. She's got kids and a house. She's not violent at all. The charges are, have nothing to do, no, no relation to violence. But then later clarifies that people are telling him the arrest was due to non-political reasons, even after he hinted that it might be due to her uh, releasing that film called Shadowgate. Ezra then says on his own clip show. So you did hear a burglary charge. Um, <clears throat> now, I'm not going to try and get into the substance or the merits of the claim. He isn't going to get into the substance of it, but he's still going to set up this GoFundMe to help raise money for her to, to support uh, her legal cause. Right. So already it's, it's broken down where it started off that she was arrested for journalism. She created this film, this great journalist piece of film. And then she got arrested because of it. And he's already admitting, OK, it probably had nothing to do with the film. But he doesn't tell us really who she is, what the film was about, why she was arrested. None of that. All you know is he 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 likes her work and he set up a GoFundMe for her. So what he doesn't mention is that she's an employee of Infowars. Or I should say, was an employee for InfoWars. <laughs> I could get into that for a second. I'm not going to go into too much detail because our uh, sister podcast, even though they don't know about us, Knowledge Fight, did like a three-part series going over this film and they even like broke down the film. But basically, for those of you who listen and follow Alex, 
there's a split between him and the QAnon community. So he does not like the QAnon community, and the QAnon community doesn't like him. Now, in this film, Milly Weaver had people who were QAnon supporters, and she didn't tell Alex, or Alex just didn't care to watch the movie and put it on his platform, only to find out that they criticized people like Roger Stone. And Alex, who's like best friends with Roger Stone, didn't like that. So after the whole brouhaha, he initially defended Millie Weaver, saying like she's being arrested for journalism, all this stuff, then sort of like walked it back and now fired her from Infowars. So she doesn't work there anymore. <laughs> all because he finally watched the show and realized that it, it had a bunch of narratives he doesn't agree with, right? Yeah. Now for more information, that's the Cole notes. You can go listen to Knowledge Fight if you want to learn more about that. The next thing I'm going to talk about is why she was arrested. And again, Ezra doesn't mention at all why she was arrested, but she was arrested because allegedly her and her partner were accused of violently robbing her mother. Violently robbing her mother, even though he said on his show that there was no, no it had nothing to do with violence. So it's, <laughs> and here's the thing is when he releases this on Labor Day, like, it's been months since Millie Weaver was arrested and he set up this GoFundMe. So it's like, oh. he should have known by the time he puts this clip show together that all this had come out. I mean, he does yeah. know because in the days after it happened, like in the clips that he was showing, he was clearly talking about how, like walking it back. You could see him in real time, walk it back. But then why would you put this in your, your clip show? where you're trying to promote the fact that you're out there saving journalism. How does this save journalism? <laughs> it's, a, it's a a grift. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's it. And I'm not even sure what's going on here because like Ezra was trying to get involved with Alex. Like we covered this on our show. Like he went on Alex's show like twice or three times or something. Yeah. And so he's trying to get in that. Why would he want to like tie himself to this Millie Weaver case when Clearly, Millie Weaver and Alex are having their own falling out. Yeah. And so I don't know if this is a move towards QAnon or what's going on here, but like why Ezra thinks that he needs to support Millie Weaver and why he wants to add this to his list of examples is a bit strange. But everything continues. So that, that was his Labor Day special. And then, okay. sadly, in an ironic turn, the next day, a new Rebel employee was arrested. <laughs> And I think Ezra even states that he was arrested the day after he got hired. So, okay. <laughs> so, so he does this clip show and we come right back to the next day. Another rebel employee is arrested. And this person is Avi Yamini, Yamini. And we had talked. So Avi Yamini was on the show recently. We had Tim on the show because Avi Yamini was the one who compared uh, what's happening in Australia to the Holocaust. And that I also mentioned used to be an IDF soldier for the Israeli Defense Force and uh, also was a convicted wife beater. And we could tell by the end of that interview that Ezra was probably going to hire this person. And it turns out he hired him. Now, Avi Yemeni, he was arrested in Melbourne. And the reason he was arrested was because he was covering these anti-lockdown protests. Now, the exact circumstances of his arrest are not clear to me, so I'm not really going to go into it. It could have like it seemed like he was just interviewing people and they had a press pass. He was allowed to go through some sort of checkpoint. But then it was it's not clear if he was like told to move 
But then he didn't move, and then that's why they were like, you're, you're not doing the right thing here, and they got him out of there. It's kind of confusing, but I don't really care. Of course, they're just using it for the publicity theater that comes out of this, right? I continue to bring up that Avi is a convicted wife beater because he, in fact, is a convicted wife beater, but also because I think it's important to highlight the kinds of people Ezra is willing to hire. It's also just like depressing because I didn't mention this in the news segment, but when Ezra talks about Stephen Kibot, the heritage minister who's now putting in the sort of like social media or who's like trying to figure out the social media uh, regulations, Ezra constantly calls him a convict. Canadian Heritage Minister Stephen Gilgabot says social media sites linking to news content without payment is immoral. I'll play the video clip of him saying that a bit later. Imagine a convicted criminal and liberal cabinet minister lecturing other people about uh, morality and what is or isn't ethical. Can you imagine that? So here's, here's what Gibo was charged with. He was charged with mischief because in 2001, he climbed the CN Tower and released a banner that read, Canada in Bush, Climate Killers. And I'd have to say, that's pretty cool. <laughs> I almost have more respect for him. <laughs> Even though he's a liberal, you know? Now, yeah. now I'm just going to put a content warning here. I'm going to read some stuff that came out of the court case, just to explain what he did with his wife. And if that bothers you, I just wanted to flag that right now, and you can skip ahead a couple minutes. So... This is what happened. He ended up giving his wife a concussion by throwing a cutting board at her head. And this is what she explained in court. It was like I didn't exist as a human being. I was just a vessel for his hatred. He terrorized me. I can't imagine how it will be possible for me to have a relationship in the future. What I will never forget is that he didn't flinch when it happened. He didn't ask if I was okay. He just walked by. I was left to tend to my own injuries and finish making the dinner. This is who Ezra hired on his fucking show. And he pled guilty to it because he was guilty. He threw a cutting board at his wife's head and gave her a concussion. And with that out of the way, because he's been arrested covering this COVID shit, of course he starts up a petition. Because what do you do if you're on Rebel? You start a fucking petition. Yes. Apparently as well, Avi had worked with Rebel in the past, covering Hong Kong as like a... Uh, contracted to, to cover the Hong Kong protests. And he says, uh, just like he compared it to the Holocaust before, he's now saying Melbourne is worse than Hong Kong. So, of course, everything is worse than what he's currently experiencing in Australia, where the kangaroos are more violent than the virus, according to Ezra. <laughs> I'll just end with that. This That's that's his my coverage of all the arrests and shit that he wanted to talk about on his show. And you can tell that most of them are like, not because of reporting. And even then, when they are arrested for reporting, it's like justified. It's like, don't, don't be a dick. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and Ezra frames this as, I will, it's not an ideological thing. I will defend journalism no matter who it happens to. That's what Rebel News does. We fight for freedom, not just for ourselves and our journalists, but for other journalists around the world. We think it sets a precedent. We wish other media companies did the same. I can't think of the last time any other Canadian media organization went to bat for a journalist in a real and tangible way. What I mean by that is crowdfunding, sending lawyers, or even making a big ruckus about an inappropriate arrest of a journalist. 
We even help people we don't necessarily agree with ideologically because freedom in the press is something you have to give to your opponents if you want it for yourself. Name me a left-wing journalist that he's defended who was arrested. No, he does the opposite and he makes fun of them too. Yeah. Like makes- Marie Barton, he like just terrorizes on the show. <laughs> I mean, she wasn't arrested, but like we talked about plenty of journalists who have been arrested. Left-wing yeah. journalists who cover indigenous issues in this country. Yeah. There's one recently in Caledonia. David Menzies went and covered Caledonia. Do you think yeah. they could mention the journalists that were arrested? No. No. It's all right-wingers and it's all for grifter money. Because that's like the whole thing they're doing here. It's like theater. It's like, look at us. We're getting arrested. Cover it. Cover it. Tell your friends. Tell your family. Look at us. We're being arrested. And that drives eyeballs and earballs to, <laughs> to their content. Yeah. And that's all it is. I wanted to just highlight like a few like interesting threads that like connect this back to all the bullshit that's happening in the world right now. The first is that there's this ongoing narrative that police, when they are arresting rebel reporters, are engaging in political arrests. This is something that they've said throughout all these shows. Whereas when police arrest or kill protesters who are advocating for black lives, those are the police being non-political, right? They're just, you know, they're enforcing the law and that's good. But when you arrest rebel reporters, it's political. We're clearly being targeted. And this is how they manage to balance their pro-police message while at the same time trying to profit off their persecution narrative after each arrest. Police are good, except when they are forced to be bad by their political masters, which apparently only happens when it's a right-wing reporter that gets arrested. That's the only way they can get away with this. And so they repeat this kind of ad nauseum that these are political arrests. These are, they're being sort of like enforced and mandated by Trudeau or like, so it's like Trudeau's RCMP or it's Patrick Brown's Brampton police. Right. But then when it happens that a black person gets shot, oh, well then why were they like, why let's look into the criminal past. Let's like justify this for some reason. The second thing is that Ezra and his reporters, including Menzies, Tommy, Avi, and Anna always bring up random shadowy groups that the police could be focusing on instead of arresting right-wing reporters. So for Menzies, he brings up that there's these Brampton, Brampton gangs There's like immigrant brown people that are shooting people at funerals, apparently. Yeah. For Tommy, it is these Muslim rape gangs that are just like in in all the places that Muslim populations exist in the UK. And the police shouldn't be focusing on me. They should be dealing with these Muslim rape gangs. For Avi, he mentions Melbourne Melbourne youth gangs. I don't know what Melbourne youth gangs are, but... Avi is going to highlight them. Like, why are the police arresting me when there's Melbourne youth gangs? For Anna, it was the real violent protesters, right? So they wrap, they somehow got all of our, all of us peaceful people there and let all the violent people still perpetuating the stuff out there. This narrative is both, both to argue that politicians are using taxpayer money to manipulate police forces to go after innocent people. But also, it's to keep their audiences afraid of mysterious black and brown gangs that are all roaming our streets and they're out to kill people. And so it's like, we need the police doing that. The third is that Ezra refuses to contrast real police brutality with how the Chinese government treats Hong Kong protesters. 
Ezra plays a clip of Avi, who covered protests in Hong Kong, where Avi justifies the Hong Kong protesters blocking traffic, saying, That is what protests are about. You're supposed to block traffic. <laughs> Even though Ezra uses the same protest behavior here to justify his own audience to drive into crowds, or to justify the shooting of protesters in Kenosha, which he did with Joel Pollock on our last episode. At no point has Ezra attempted to address the nuance of why Hong Kong protesters are right, but Black Lives Matter are not. Because Ezra doesn't have an answer other than China is bad, though, and somehow America is good. Lastly, Ezra constantly plays clips of people who are treated harshly by police over COVID restrictions, but has never shown a single clip of Black Lives Matter activists or just random black people who have been targeted by the police. I agree with Ezra that some of the police behavior when enforcing COVID restrictions have not been great and are worth criticizing. But in the grand scheme of things, Ezra is more worried about civil liberties being destroyed when people refuse to wear a life-saving mask, but doesn't give two shits about the death of black lives. I guess I had nothing for a proactive segment. I don't know if you've got a proactive thing. I was just going to tell people to wear a mask. Yeah, don't go and party. Yeah. <laughs> you got to fight for your right not to party right now because we're in a global pandemic. <laughs> <laughs> you know, wear a mask. We could be heading into a second wave right now. Maybe we won't, but I think right now is a good time just to tell people to be cautious, be patient. And hopefully we don't have a second wave. If you enjoy what you've heard so far, please give us a few bucks over on patreon.com slash Imperial News. If you want to stay informed about what we're doing, you can also find us on Twitter at Imperial News with a Z. We have a private Facebook group called Imperial News. We also have a Discord set up. You can find the link on our Twitter. Lastly, you can email us any question at imperial.fake.news at gmail.com. Special thanks to my friend Mason Tickle for the transition beats. You can find his work at striadam.bandcamp.com. Thank you for listening. And remember... Ezra hires people who assault their wives. Albumia, Albumia, how lovely are your wheat fields?